Hello, I'm Howard, and welcome to the 9320 Friday Show podcast. One that may actually have too much content in it this week, as we put all our Friday content, or most of it, there might be something else later, into one massive show. And it's the show that has just issued a blue card to Phil Foden for his goal celebrations at Brentford. <laughs> uh, to chat about Phil, Brentford, the Premier League atmospheres, Roger Everton, blah, 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 a lot, 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 lot more besides. I'm delighted to be joined by George and Stay. Uh, good morning, George. How are you doing? Glad the weekend good. is almost upon us. Very glad. Thanks, Howard. Very glad. Um, excited for the match tomorrow. And uh, yeah, just hoping that um, it's not as freezing cold and as rainy. But other than that, yeah, very excited for the weekend. How are you getting on? Yeah, it's been nasty, hasn't it, that weather this week? Absolutely nasty. So, well, a bit gutted not to have to wake up to snow yesterday, though. So, yeah, it tried to, didn't it? But as usual in Manchester, it yeah. rained far too much prior for any of it to stick. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm honestly just pining for at least spring now and summer again. I just hate, absolutely hate it. So anyway, I'm all right. It's Friday. The weekend is upon us. Uh, it's takeaway night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you yeah, going for? I don't know. It takes me about three hours to decide normally. Probably a Chinese, so. Nice. Or fried chicken, so yeah. <laughs> so it's the small things I look forward to in life, so uh, yeah. Stay, how are you? Hungry now, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, barbecue spare ribs with a oh, bit of honey next oh, to them. Oh, yeah. Oh. We're, um, yeah, I'm making a fish pie tonight, and then my wife oh. just told, well, my wife just told me an hour ago, oh, I don't really like fish pie. It's like, we've been married like 10 years, and she's just told me now, so yeah, I'm a bit annoyed oh, at that. fish pies. Oh, yeah, I've got all the stuff in, but yeah, it's happening. Um, mm. But that's like, yeah, I'm good. Um, ooh, what, baked beans? Yeah, on the side, yeah. Bit of um, fish pie and beans next to I was, was going to do green beans, but yeah, I'm, I'm oh. right. Oh, Both. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Steady. Steady. Hang, hang on. This happened on the Hot Potatoes podcast. <laughs> it took us five minutes to talk about football. Yeah. Now, we have got a lot to, to look at today. I mean, I've actually cut out some stuff as well. <laughs> Ridiculously. It's been one of those weeks, basically, hasn't it? But we'll, we'll rattle through loads and stuff and get through it all and look at the Premier League as well towards the end of part one. This is a podcast of three parts like all the best plays basically uh i'm gonna start of course with monday night football which i despise i mean i like it when other teams are playing but yeah i at least i had a relaxing weekend but not a good time to play for me just like saturday at 12 30 but before that of course george arsenal liverpool on the sunday now did the arsenal result for you increase the pressure on the brentford game for you or relieve it a bit because i saw some baffling responses to that result basically so yeah there were a lot of hot takes after that match and uh some people saying it's a you know the, the classic uh, phrase a must win um which i know you love so much and uh um, <laughs> yeah but how could it be after a good result i don't yeah, yeah go that, on anyway that, that's the thing and then so i thought oh it it did kind of ramp the stakes up a bit for me but then i can't then you realize well actually they have taken three points off Liverpool, who looked like they were on a, a hot streak. So mm. does it then afford you a bit more breathing room or slip-up room? And I, and I think it did a little bit, but I think it was just in terms of optics and mindset and us increasing pressure on our opponents, I think it, it did make it a more important game than it probably was at the start of the weekend. 
And uh, I think that's all, always good, though. It's always good that there's the higher stakes um, for City because I think we do, in this era, we, pl- we do play well uh, when the stakes are a little bit higher. Focuses the minds, doesn't it? Stay for me, it was not highest. I mean, it was an opportunity, of course, because I felt that was the best result on a Sunday, a draw or an Arsenal win. The worst mm. result for me would have been a Liverpool win. Uh, and they are top, and if you know, I've flip-flopped about 30 times this season, let's be honest, on who our main rivals are, but it feels like it's Liverpool at the moment. Could be proven wrong. I felt that result gave us leeway against Brentford, and it wasn't a must-win because of that, even though it did give us an opportunity. Did it put the pressure on for you, or were you a bit more relaxed? Um, kind of neither. There was no pressure, certainly. It, yeah. it would have felt like a huge missed opportunity if we didn't capitalise. But it's just typical football fan, football fan mentality, isn't it? That we were all really wanting Liverpool to drop points. They drop points, so immediately we look at it as a doom and gloom. Oh, God, it'll be just typical if we drop points now. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, that's, that's how I saw it when I saw it on Twitter. and It just gave me a chuckle because... It did give us leeway. It afforded us a chance to, you know, it wasn't a must win because of that. You know, it it made it where we could afford to drop points, but it would have been so frustrating had we done so. Mm. So, George, the dust has settled. I'll ask you both about this. It was a weird review uh, that we did this week because it was so hard. I mean, I was absolutely overjoyed with the result. And to be honest, if we fluked a win, I wouldn't have been that bothered. Uh, I just wanted a win, and it wasn't going to tell us that much anyway. And our record against Brentford, I know there's caveats to last season. Even before a season before, I think we did the double, but they were both 1-0s or something. So it's always a side we struggled against, and I wasn't going to read too much into the game, but it was a tough one to evaluate that performance because it was so up and down. Now the dust has settled, how do you actually rate that performance from City? It really, it really was a tough one. Um, I agreed with a lot of what you guys were saying on the review. Um, there were there were a lot of positives. The win being the biggest one, the Foden hat trick, all these kind of things were amazing. But then there were small details that mm. um, throughout the game where we were still a bit shaky. I mean, defensively, we still didn't look like kind of the ironclad fortress that we were at times last season, but. I guess there's some maybe individual performances that haven't been up to scratch this year, but I guess one of the big things for me with a lot of our defensive kind of issues and not getting clean sheets is we've barely, if we, I say barely, and I don't even think we have played one game maybe with the the defence that saw us through the running mm. um, in the back end of last season, you know, Akanji, Stones, Diaz and Ake. Um, I've, I don't think they've played a game together all season. Um, I might I might be wrong. Um, I think that's a that's a big factor in into those defensive woes. But and obviously there was the the, the kind of Alvarez dilemma, which has got you know a lot of a lot of heat and a lot of debate over the last few days and mm. what his role is and what he was doing in that Brentford match. So I think there was some messy elements and and things that we can improve on. But the result. After the after what we saw at the weekend, the result was very important, and getting that three, yeah. getting that three points, and get putting you know things ultimately back in our hands is is a massive um, swing of momentum. So I do think the result is the main thing, and and the issues I think can be cleaned up. There's nothing that I'm worry going to worry about throughout the rest of the season. I don't think. Yeah, after the 
come to you, Steve, with a very similar or same question to give your thoughts. After the review, I was like, yeah, I was I was happy with the review. It's just like, have we been too negative after winning three one at Benford? But of course, in a review, you do you you chiselled you drill down into the finer points, and there were issues in that game, and we just talked about the game as we always do. So you know, it was fair. I just felt like, well, I'm really happy with the result and lots of the performances, but it wasn't perfect. But you talk, you know, George talked about that defence that hasn't played together. Phil Foden, Kevin De Bruyne and Haaland haven't essentially played together either uh, this season. And it is nine wins on the bounce. And you feel with this side that they are now ready to go to the next level as we get to that crucial last few months of the season. That's certainly the feeling, yeah. Um, I spoke on a pod last week that that's actually unnerving me somewhat because it is all coming together so perfectly. It's all so logical. It's like this is what we do as Manchester City. You know, around this time of the season, we start to go through the gears. Uh, the fact that we got Harlan back, the fact that we got De Bruyne back, it was all seems so perfect. I just had a horrible nagging doubt that Brentford were going to put a span in the work. Mm. Um, but and I don't take that for granted, by the way, Steve, that we will now do this because we've done it no, before. No, of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, yeah, yeah. And we should never do so. We never no. will, really. But it, it all, it's, it's a very persuasive narrative, isn't it? Um, mm. And it's based on empirical knowledge, you know, because we've seen it season after season. Um, but Brentford, they're flatlining at the moment. I don't know what the problem is there, but even with Ivan Tony back, they are not, they're just not looking good at all. They've they've lost now. Um, they've won, sorry, one and nine. Um, so they're in terrible form. But they always score. And there's only one of those nine games where they haven't scored. So you mm. were thinking they could get a goal. And going back to, to kind of what George said about our defence, it is worrying that five times in the last nine games we've conceded first. That's not what we do. You know, and okay, we've come back every time, or, or you know, at least a draw. But that's not what we do. That's really concerning. So, um, wow, there was that. But the wins a win, and the performance was good overall, and particularly from one, mm. you know, Philip Walter Foden. Yeah, so we, yeah, we're going to come to that, but I'm going to jump one thing up the agenda because of what you've just said. Sometimes mm. you just have to be happy with the result, don't you? I'm thinking, well, we weren't good between 50 and, <laughs> 54 and 70 yeah. minutes and the goal was sloppy and it's like, yeah, but, you know, it was great. That that, that actually becomes more pertinent as the season goes on as well. So next month mm. that'll be truer than now and then the month after that'll be even truer than now. It, you know, we are getting to that stage of season now where three points are three points. Just look at the end of last season where it was the results, not the performance. You know, I felt City on the way to that treble were running out of steam by the end of it, which well, is understandable. I mean, how you get you know, to the point where it's just results now. Yeah. It could be said that we looked quite nervy against Inter, and there was, you know, there was problems yeah. with that performance. Does anyone give a shit? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not, not once the final whistle came. Absolutely not. Yeah, George, what Steve said about going behind. So the last four away games. City have won after going behind. Is that a bad thing, a good thing, or both things? Yeah, it's a complex one. Um, <laughs> there, there, there was a period of time where we just wouldn't come from behind no. um, in the kind of earlier Guardiola um, years, and especially away from home. If we were losing, we wouldn't ever really come from behind. It was kind of like if we went behind one or two nil, it was kind of like well. We, we didn't have a plan B and we didn't ever look like we claw our way back into it. But over the course of the last two years, two seasons, I feel like it's we've 
become very good at coming from behind and we've done it in a lot of games. And I think it's a good thing in the sense it shows the mentality of the group, it shows the desire and also shows the quality. Um, but it is also a bad thing in a sense that it it doesn't allow you to control the match in the way that you would ideally like to because you have to chase it in a different way because um, you're on the back foot what, rather than starting on level footing against the opposition. So I would say it's I would would say it's a bit of both, but in terms of mentality and stuff, I think it is always a positive. It's just infuriating about the lack of uh, clean sheets this this mm. year going from behind. Um, but I think this that is a it's not just a city thing uh, this year. I think yeah. the fact that I think Jordan Pickford has he got the most clean sheets in the league. And, you know, Everton obviously had the 10 points deduction, but I think that says a lot that there's no teams at the top that are keeping clean sheets this year yeah. for whatever reason. I'm, Everton have the... three more clean sheets than City, which is crazy. Yeah, exactly. It's So stats like that are kind of a bit bewildering. You can't really put your finger on it, but it just is the way it is this year. So as long as we're yeah. scoring more than we're conceding, I'll, I'll always be happy. But yeah, it is strange. But- Luton have the most corners, I think, of anyone this season. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Did it matter to you, Steve? City win 2 0 or 3 1? Would you rather the 2 0 than a 3 1? Oh, of course. You'd always want the clean sheet. I mean, you see yeah. the importance of that to a defence and to the confidence of that defence. So, of course, that's the case. But as soon as um, that absolute bell end put them ahead, um, then it, it was I'm all glad about we're on the same page with him. Yeah. Oh God, and he's so predictable. And then you know what really pisses me off about him? He was so quiet, Everton won he because he was shit. He couldn't couldn't hit a mm. barn door at Everton, and so and now he starts to score a couple of goals. He's coming on mouthy again. I hate that about him. Um, but as soon as he put them ahead, it was a case of you know we've got to respond in the right manner. And we responded in the right manner. So ultimately, that's all that matters. But then you know, in hindsight, when you look back on it. It is a concern that we're conceding first so often. It's, like I said earlier, it's mm. not that's not us. Neil Mope will definitely have his own podcast with Matt Letizia in about 10, 15 yeah. years, definitely. I've mapped yeah. out his future already. Uh, <laughs> come on, let's talk about him. Philip Walter Bowden. Hmm. Uh, both of you have to get a chance to answer this question, of course, but I'll start with you, George. How good was he in this game? And... To play devil's advocate, stroke being a Debbie Downer, uh, Google it if you don't know what that means. <laughs> Are we going over the top with him at all? I thought he was. I thought he was spectacular. Um, everything we've always, you know, said he was. He kind of did in that match. the The way he operated in the pockets with his close control and the quick passing, and there was a period. Of, there was a there was a moment in the game where he did like switched the ball between his feet and then passed it and I think he did it all in about 0.0001 seconds and you're like how how as an Englishman does he have that good technique and feet you know we're not we're not mm. used to seeing it it was kind of like almost Brazilian-esque the way he the way he plays sometimes it's 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 pretty crazy and to get a hat-trick away from home uh one being a header as well for the little fellow was uh was great um what so yeah he yeah, what a header! Just perfectly flicked on. That those those are the hardest ones to score yeah. compared to you know he, even his long ranges. We know he's got the long range in his locker. He's he's done it repeatedly, but headers like that just uh, show his uh, show his football IQ. I think really, but 
have have we gone over the top with him? I don't think we have as his fan base. I think so, maybe some of the the wider football um kind of media, wider football culture of like lauding the performance in a way that they think it's almost like a surprise when City fans know that he's capable of this and been doing similar things maybe without the the end result being a hat-trick for, for years now. Um, I think City fans have always bigged them up fairly appropriately, even, you know, in some of the hyperbolic ways that they, they do. I think, you know, he is the most talented English footballer. I won't say he's the best because, you know, people can debate that. He is the most talented English footballer yeah. for me. So I think... He's always going to garner attention, and after a performance like that, and I think I think it wasn't over the top, really. I think it was kind of he deserves more praise consistently rather than in these kind of more short bursts every now and then when he when he gets a headline performance for me. Stay similar for you. Just first though, which was your favourite goal of the three, which we ask on the review, and just your thoughts on you know um, how we cover. Goal. How we cover Phil Foden in a way and how we talk about him. Yeah, well, my favourite goal you've already kind of covered, which was the header. I thought it was the header, the header. Yeah, but just the way yeah. he guided it, the way he had to change his body shape. If, if you look at um, photographs of it, he's he's essentially sitting down as he's doing it. Um, <laughs> I, it's an excellent point, I thought, there by George about how we should kind of praise him, you know, across the long term rather than in bursts when he's on spells as he is, where he's absolutely sensational right now. I would say, if anything, we don't praise him enough as City fans. I think we know what we have, and we've got very excited by that in in the early days. And then we kind of stood around and waited for the media to do what they do, but they didn't. And then that exasperated us. And then the next stage after that, we kind of took him for granted. You know, we, we kind of like, the, mm. we know who he is now, and this is great that we've got him. He's one of our own as well. Um, and then, you know, now look, let's look at our latest signing. So I think that is the, the cycle in which we've kind of travelled. Um, and that's meant that we haven't praised him enough. I mean, you look at Liverpool, you know, as a, as a perfect example of how they praise their players. They go way overboard and they go far too premature as well. Um, you know, a youngster will come through, play five games, and he's the best right back in the world. Um, I'm not suggesting we should do that, but we've missed the boat in that regard anyway. Now everyone knows it's an open secret how good Phil Foden is anyway. I would say, speaking in general, not just about Phil here, but in general, because of social media, we overly praise footballers these days. Um, and when we go OTT, but similarly, we then have the reaction to that where other people kind of say, oh, hang on, you know, we're getting too carried away. Neither of those things matter. It's social media, it's noise, it's other people you don't know and you've never met. And the same goes for pundits, for that matter. What matters is how you feel about a footballer. And I adore Phil Foden. I cannot believe how good he is. He staggers me on a weekly basis. He goes into a game, and I've seen him play, what, 250 games, as you'll come on to shortly. And I've seen you know him play thousands upon thousands of minutes of football. And yet, each and every week, he staggers me and makes me just think, oh, wow, he's a City player. He's one of ours. And that's how I feel about him. I can't believe... Not only how good he is, but what his ceiling is. You know, he's going to get better and better. He is an astonishingly gifted footballer with 
a wide variety of attributes as well. He's not, you know, just one thing. He's many things, and he does them to an exceptional level. Um, and that excites me enormously, you know. Within the context of watching City, and my focus is being on Manchester City to win a football match, there is always this accompanying joy of watching Phil Foden. Um, and to ultimately... I mean, that's all that matters, isn't it? It, it doesn't really matter how, how others kind of rate him, really. At the key point of that, are you saying Rico Lewis is not a world-class right-back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, George, I guess, yeah, I I saw a very interesting article that I'm just about to, to get to, basically, uh, but I will preempt it with this question uh, do you think it's dawned on some of Pep's past critics that it wouldn't have been that good an idea to flog Foden to death as an 18 and 19 year old after all what, so 251 that... games under his belt as a 23 year old 162 of them starts what do you really think all these journalists and other other fan bases would have the accountability to admit admit that Pep was right about something mm. no I uh, I don't think it will have dawned on them but I think, you know, it, it's the proofs in the pudding with with Foden. I think it was it was the right move and it was the healthiest move for a young footballer. And I think Pep did right by him. I think he didn't flog him to death, but he also included him in a lot of big games, even when he wasn't starting consistently. I think the the the, the, the when you knew how Guardiola felt about Phil was probably Spurs at home, eighteen nineteen yeah. season. Playing that match in the running against the real, you know, this was this was a Pochettino Spurs team getting to the Champions League final. They weren't, there were no mugs at all. And um, for him to be in that game, I think showed to everybody how Guardiola views him. And then it kind of made, I think it got people at peace with the fact he didn't start every game. I know there is a frustration, there was a frustration in previous years when he wasn't starting enough. But I think you know people do appreciate it, and Pep, Pep got it right. I mean, you look at. You look at what happens to some of these other young players who don't get that ke- kind of support and nurturing. The likes of um, Gavi and Pedri at Barcelona. Barcelona, obviously, in a, in a bit of a dire position right now, and they're mm. so desperate for these two these two young lads as the homegrown products and don't cost them anything and all this kind of in terms of the FFP and all all that boring kind of stuff. Um, they they're so desperate for them to be a success that they play them repeatedly every single match and you know Pedri at, like as a teenager was playing like 50 plus games for Barca then he was playing 20 games for the national team nearly and all this kinds of stuff and now he's riddled with injuries Gavi is out for the season this year with the ACL and all it's because they've just been you know fed to the wolves in a way that so much is expected of them and so there's pressure on the shoulders and them yeah. and the managers can't afford to drop them so I think I think Pep's done the right thing, and and I think don't think you'll hear his critics admitting um, that he's done the right thing. But I think anybody with half a brain knows he has. I'd say Arteta with Saka as well is pretty similar. I think he's quite fortunate that he has he's hobbled off so many times. Saka, yeah, I was, I was looking. He's at, very he's very welded to his first eleven, isn't he? And yeah, I was I was looking at the comparison of Foden and Saka earlier, and. Foden's had 151 Premier League appearances. Saka's had 157, so very similar. But in terms of minutes played, Foden's um, 8,628 as opposed to Saka's 12,426. So you can tell just by that stat 
the pressure that's on kind of Arteta to for Saka to be effective as opposed to the pressure that's on Pep for Foden to be effective. Maybe it's a luxury we've had because we've we've got so many and had so many incredible players in those positions that we've not had to play him. I was going to say that. I think some of the, you know, the early years where he didn't play that much wasn't just, obviously Pep's really good. I mean, the fact that we have a fully fit squad right now is ridiculous. It won't last, of course, but the fact that we even got it right now when other teams have 10 players out and stuff is ridiculous. And Pep knows how to manage a squad for a cost of nine months. But I think a lot of the early years wasn't just about managing a youngster's body. It was just, he knew his ceiling was so high. He wanted more out of it. It was him pushing him and not, and not playing him all the time because he would just, he demanded so much from him, really. Uh, I think he was, in some ways, his his high ceiling, he meant he became a, actually became a bad thing for him for a while. But Steve, opto-analyst is the, the, the guys who did the article I'm talking about, they laid out how much he's played for City season by season. And it still actually surprises me. So across his first three seasons in the senior squad, he started 12, just 12 Premier League matches. Next three seasons, he started 63. That's an average of 21 per season. So 54.4%. Not tiny, but not a lot. For the last three... Again, he's only started around half of City's Premier League games, though he has been, you know, he's had a great one in in other competitions being picked. Uh, I think in the 2021 run to the final, he started 12 of the 13 matches. So, and he's, he's had injuries, but he's not injury prone. So we can't put injuries into that thing. So mm-hmm. he's about to, I think, hit... He started basically City's last 10 games in all competitions. That's his second longest run in a City shirt behind a 12-game stretch that ended in March 2022. So it is really only now, this season, that he is becoming like, you know, week after week after week he's in that team. Does that surprise you when you actually see those stats laid out or were you always aware of that? Well, look, I was aware of it because it was happening before me, but it was um, if if Pep's sole concern was to ensure that you know Phil Foden had a long career and he didn't burn out at the age of twenty seven, twenty eight, yeah, he would have basically you know integrated him gradually in the first couple of seasons and then played him as a regular. And we've seen this occur from you know Moyes with Rooney back in the day to Ferguson's done it. You know, so we've seen so many examples of this work out successfully. Um, but it's not that, was it? It wasn't just that. It was the fact that. Pep saw things in Phil Foden where he's like, no, you're not doing that quite right. You know, I want you to get that perfect. And, and you know, he was just... Uh, and and these, these are things which are beyond my understanding, I have to be yeah. honest. You know, because when I saw him play, I thought he was always exceptional and he always put in the work rate and all the rest of it. But maybe, you know, he just lost his man for in, in you know, the 22nd minute or he, he just kind of, you know, drifted away from, from his responsibilities for 30 seconds. You know, tiny details that I don't see, but obviously yeah. Guardiola does. So he's doing oh, he that. He sees everything. Oh, yeah. oh, God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As you said earlier, Howard, he's really good. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't see it, he does. And obviously, Pep is no longer seeing these things. Obviously, Mm. now, Foden is doing the correct things consistently, as well as the performances. There was never any doubt in my mind that Pep Pep Guardiola 
didn't hugely rate Phil Foden and appreciate what he had at his disposal. That was never a concern. It was always, you know, is Phil doing something wrong? And, you know, Pep's not happy with it. Can he turn that around? And now clearly he's turned it around. Yeah, I just felt some of the other players sometimes got away with those things that Phil Foden didn't. That That's he was, fair. Yeah, yeah. He was held to higher standards because we knew what he, his potential was. But it, it could also be argued as well that basically we have felt for some time now, if if Phil just gets a run of games, he'll play magnificently. And now he's got a run of games and he's playing magnificently. Exactly. And there is, there is that feeling where you think, this would have happened two years ago, three years ago. You know, it's not a case of he's now suddenly matured, but, you know, who am I to question Pep Guardiola? Yeah, he's had stop-start bits, and like an injury would come along, an Icelandic bedroom would come along, or I think he, got co- he might have got COVID at some point. I don't know. Just little things were sometimes like stop-start is like, yeah, seasons would be stop-start. And he, he said after Brentford, it would help if I played one position and learned that position every game, but I'm a person who would adapt and play as where needed. We've been saying this for ages. If you can stay fit, and he's put in one position. We'll see the best of Phil Foden. Yeah. That's what happened. And he's got 8,628 Premier League minutes so far, three months off his 24th birthday. By the point of turning 24, so three months away for Foden, Wayne Rooney had 17,349 minutes. Wow. Deli Alley, 12,087. Joe Cole, 30,700. Michael Owen, 15,000. Robbie Fowler, 15,671, and Lukaku, 13,989. Look, we know, we have no idea how his body will hold up, but a lot of those, obviously, their bodies let them down big time and they burn out. Mm. Uh, in a way, it's to his benefit, I think, that his Foden's numbers, for us now, going forward, for, you know, we might not have agreed with the past, but those numbers are good for Foden in the future for playing well into his 30s. So, mm. hey, brilliant. But, that goal celebration can get in the bin, yeah? No, <laughs> no it can't. Can I just quickly tell you? It's a bit Robbie Keane. It's a bit, I mean, if he'd done a somersault, then I'd be really angry. Or Rob Earnshaw, remember when he used to machine gun down the crowd? It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> he's, he's At least Earnshaw had a forward role in his, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's 23. He thinks that snipers are cool. That's fine. I. <laughs> I'm in my late which 40s. game he's been playing on the PlayStation. I'm in my late 40s. I know that if you're a sniper, you're going to get restless leg syndrome at my age because you're so still for so long. So it's no longer cool to be a sniper. He's 23, it's fine. I read I read somewhere that it's because in training, they say that he shoots a lot. The other players say he shoots a lot and they call him sniper. So I think he's then taking it upon himself for yeah. this uh, new celebration and... Uh, and also, who knows, in, in, in a more colder take, maybe it's he's trying to get some new uh, commercial thing and have his <laughs> trademark celebration like uh, a lot of the, uh, the, t- the big players have. I don't know. Great. It's quite Be funny, on the though. Cover of Sniper 6 on the P- PS5 yeah. and Xbox <laughs> next year. Uh, George, as for Rodri, a year defeated, 53 games, I think. I mean, that's just nonsense. <laughs> I can't think yeah. of a word, really. It's silly. It's that's the way. It's just completely silly. silly. Do, yeah, yeah. It's just it. There's, you know, I could wax lyrically about him, but you know, he's. It would just be going over you what we've already known. Said he's, he's incredible, and I can't believe he's gone a, a calendar year for City, um, undefeated. It's um, it's. I think finally this season. 
I think the wider football world of, and the back end of last season probably finally started to realise what City fans have been banging on uh, on about for a little bit about how good he was in his quality and I feel in that position he's really separated himself um, from his um, from his peers and their counterparts really I think there's a gulf now I think there's Rodri a gap I think, and I think there's everybody else and that stat just shows how important he is to the way we play and what we do State gives an issue of recruitment, of course. Can we ever hope to recruit a stand-in for his position? Or does it have to be someone who, because they need game time, would have to be highly adept in another position too? Yeah, possibly, possibly the latter. I mean, we've got we've got Kevin De Bruyne as well. So we've got two players who are, you know, very much right up there amongst our best players and our most impactful and important players who, should they move on at any juncture or, you know, in Kev's age, you know, his age is, is kind of catching up on him, then... Who the hell are we going to bring into a place you can't bring in like for like? I mean, we said the same with David Silver as well. There's no way you could replace David Silver. Mm. You couldn't replace Yaya. I mean, Yaya was such a unique player with unique traits. You know, it's kind of is is the strength for that lad and and the way he marauded forward. And you know, I've I've not seen a player like Yaya before or since. Um, So Rodri kind of falls into that category, really. You can't just directly bring in Rodri Mark II. It's not going to happen. So what you have to do is bring in someone of the ilk of Declan Rice who can play that position, inhabit that role, and do it very well, but will have different skill sets. Um, it's, it's just not possible to replace Rodri. He's irreplaceable. Indeed. Right, let's move on. I've got a two-minute thing just to plug a show on the player hot potatoes this week which stay I hope you agree I was one of the most enjoyable and interesting shows I think we've done in many months yes I, I love doing it and I take no yeah. credit for it because I just simply ask the questions oh you're, you're so modest you're right but yeah. <laughs> you're so modest <laughs> uh, a question each for you then just for a few minutes before we look at the Premier League uh, this weekend also for a few minutes because yeah, we've got still got loads to cover. Uh, yeah, on Hot Potatoes this week, uh, one of the two questions, George, that we talked about was revenue versus atmosphere. And I suggested that the club are only interested in revenue, not atmosphere. Where do you stand on whether the club does enough or cares about atmosphere at City, or is it just about revenue for them? Am I being harsh? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll double down on what you said. It was a great show, the Hot Potato Show. Really enjoyed listening to it yesterday. Um, it was uh, felt like it was probably a bit cathartic for you guys. Getting nice to get some stuff off your chest in a in in a way yeah. about we've c- got about we've got eighty other topics to get off our chest <laughs> in the yeah. coming months. Let's yeah, that's that's a long list. Um, <laughs> but no, I I would I would kind of I agreed with what a lot of you were saying um, yesterday on the show. Um, I don't think the club does enough or cares that much about the atmosphere at City. For them, it is purely about the revenue, um, how much money they can make from the match they experience, I think. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things I have issue with. The um, the fact, like you say, on the ticket resale thing, which is, which is run by City, how they can make, trying to make double you know profit on those kind of things yeah. people selling tickets for 40 that they worth 40 pounds and then suddenly you see them for you know best part of 100 it's um i can't really work out how <laughs> how you can do that but but it's just it's one of those things and charging a lot of money for certain fixtures as well like the burnley game even from the get-go you know midweek uh burnley the train the train strikes the day of the game there's never any 
there's never any kind of flexibility. They never would go, oh, no, let's, you know what, sense, let's, yeah. let, let's, we're not, got, let's, let's drop the prices and let's say, you know, tw- 20, 20 quid for, um, we've sold most tickets, let's, the last few, let's so 20 quid adults, tenor kids or whatever. And then you'd suddenly go, actually, on the day you'd go, oh, somebody would go, oh, actually, yeah, I've got, yeah, a bit of spare cash this week. I can, I could take my kid or my, my niece, nephew or my, go over my, go over mate, you, you name it, you know, and you could have little things like that. Um, I think a lot of the problem with the atmosphere, as you say, is cultural in England. Um, at the moment, I don't think there's any stadiums which have a consistently terrific atmosphere across across years. Obviously, when clubs are on the rise, they have great atmospheres. You know, Arsenal last season um, and Newcastle, uh, Villa um, parts of this season, the atmospheres have been great. But I've and also small, been... Small, compact all, ones as well. You know, yeah, small, compact us. ones. And when you're on the rise from from a place where you thought you were being a bit downtrodden and you were a bit lower down in the pecking order and those clubs I've just mentioned all have a lot of ego so they feel like they deserve to be at the top so when they're on the rise everything's you know great and the atmospheres at their grounds are great but I've been at all those grounds when they're not on the rise and the atmosphere has been absolutely dire and you know Villa Park I've been there when it's barely you know more empty seats that you ever see at the Etihad same with Arsenal I was at that famous um, game after the League Cup final where 3-0 you know we played them off the park yeah. and barely anybody turned up to the Emirates and I've been at you know St James's Park when I've been too far when when they weren't winning and then also last season um, the first uh, like the first away game when it was the 3-all the atmosphere was great but you know they they were filled with hope and promise and all these new signings and the money. And so, so we have to, we have to take all these things into consideration. Yeah. I would say a lot of the issues are sold seats, not being filled. So they are sold, but they're not being filled. And I know the spirit of Shanti actually had this, went to Liverpool, you know, went to the club, 2018 19 with the same problem was like there's often hundreds or thousands of seats they're sold tickets but the people aren't there and of course yeah it doesn't help if someone can't go and they put it on the exchange and city try and make one sixty quid plus against burnley then that's going to happen i would say as a caveat we're far too obsessed with empty seats obviously as we as city yeah. fans know of filling every seat it's just a stupid obsession that didn't exist 20 years ago when like like Newcastle were getting 20,000 or so were Chelsea I doubt anyone cared at that time why we're so obsessed now I don't know it's all no, I- well it's something to get you know obviously it's a, something to criticise City yeah. about even though it doesn't even exist anymore most I of the think- time but it's just a weird obsession to have yeah I, yeah, I agree. And, and I think one thing that for me, like logically, the club's never done is obviously there's a, there's a lot of debate about loyalty points with City mm. and how you get them. And, and personally, I don't think, obviously they've stopped giving them for away matches, but I don't think you should get loyalty points for the attractive fixtures because, you know, there's a lot of tourists and people who, who maybe aren't even fans of either side that want those tickets. And, you know, those big games, you won't ever struggle to fill at City these days. That's just because of the product of who we are, what we've achieved and who plays for us. You know, yeah. the big games are always sold out. So you don't need to worry about them. Whereas I think games, you know, early rounds of the cup, less attractive fi- fixtures, the club could issue, well, if you if if your ticket's scanned in for this, you get X amount of loyalty points. And it's a way for people who... Who want to get more loyalty points to be able to get tickets for certain away games stuff? You can build them up in in that regard. There's things like that which I've always thought about, and I think other clubs do it. Uh, seeing on Twitter, I think Chelsea you do actually get 
more loyalty points for games outside of the top six than you do for going yeah. to games against the top six. So there's little things like that. And like you guys mentioned about the atmosphere, um, well, it'd be interesting to see how this North Stand development does because at the moment that stand is 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 a vacuum of atmosphere and yeah. I think it's... I'm not criticising anybody who sits there because I think they sit there because that they personally don't want to join in with all the singing and all that kind of stuff and that's their prerogative but I think behind a goal you have to have a good atmosphere yeah. and I think the south stand or has it and obviously like you said it's it's maybe by proximity to the away fans but I think it's also for the people who sit in the south stand whereas I think the north stand has to get a bit more atmosphere because I think you need it at both ends and then then it, it circle circulates through the ground better the atmosphere yeah, uh, Steve. Just very quickly, I want to shout out to Stephen Price. Uh, he always gives us uh, great replies and opinions to podcast we put on mm. uh, on Twitter. And I'm not active enough on Twitter, so apologies for not always replying. Uh, but just very briefly, he made a point uh, that I found very interesting. The atmosphere, you know, after the hot potatoes, atmosphere's never been great. City and elsewhere, perhaps, and such issues are nothing new, really, and we're were overthinking it, uh, being worried about atmosphere and nostalgia and all that. Main road often half empty, as with other places. Do you see his point? Uh, are we going too far, being obsessed with atmospheres? And and to be honest, nothing's changed from the old days. Um, I, I wouldn't say we're, we're too obsessed with concern, being concerned about atmosphere. I think it's a legitimate concern. It's a legitimate concern for City as much as anyone else. Yeah. Um, it's more highlighted with us because, you know, we're, we're, we're the best club in, in the league. So um, people seem to then equate that to, oh, well, it should have the best atmosphere. Well, no, the very opposite applies. As I said on the, on the pod, you know, a large reason for the lack of atmosphere at the Etihad is the style of football we play. And as you say, the lack of jeopardy. Um, put those two things together and it's only natural you kind of sit back instead of sit forward um as regards to kind of looking back at the past i mean it's a, it's a fair point of course it is but i would say it's not about the city of now to the city of yesterday as yeah. opposed to the football of now and the football of yesterday and that brings us to standing you know i've been in when it used to be standing, I've been in kind of grounds which are half full, but the atmosphere was considerably better than it is today because people are standing. And if you're mm. in a group of people and you're standing up, you're more vocal, you're more agitated, you're more, you know, everything is just enhanced and, and kind of intensified as opposed to sitting in a seat, a plastic seat. Um, and so it really is as simple as that for me. I think, you know, when it used to be standing, it, attendances just didn't matter. It didn't have any impact on atmosphere. It was, you know, the fact that you're, like I say, a group of people standing up. Um, you know, I've been places like, I don't know, Walsall, and, and there's been like a thousand of us, but the atmosphere has been incredible. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, I've been at an absolutely packed out Etihad and the atmosphere has not been a temp for that. Um, it's purely because now it's so hard to generate an atmosphere when you're sitting down. I mean, that, mm. and that goes for the, all of football. Yeah, and some of the best atmospheres I've ever experienced, most of them probably have been at the Etihad, but, you know, it's that's due to what happens on the pitch. Uh, Absolutely. That fuels atmospheres and drama and, yeah, and that's, you know, it's like reactive, basically. So, yeah, anyway, I'm sure we'll be discussing it again in the future, especially when that North Stamp, uh, we'll see what the club have in mind. Right, let's quickly, at the end of part one, it'll have to be quickly, a very quick look at the rest of the Premier League this weekend. Steve, I'm going to stay with you. Liverpool against Burnley and West Ham against Arsenal. Any chance of drop points for our rivals there? 
I fancy Burnley to get something at Anfield. Don't know Sorry, why. What? Yeah, I, <laughs> it's I a bit early to be drinking think, today. Still, yeah. <laughs> whether it be one nil, one one, I fancy them to to uh, spring a somewhat of a surprise. All the stats obviously point to the, to the country. I've just got a gut feeling that they're, they're going to pull off something there. You know, it's they're due one. They're better away from home than than at home, Burnley. Um, and you know they've got Fafana now, who's who scored. What, well, he scored twice and assisted once in two sub appearances. This will be his first start. I've just got a weird feeling, you know, and and you know, I, I'm aware Age that Burnley being the operative word, yeah, yeah. I mean, Burnley have yet to keep a clean sheet on their travels this season, and um, and as we saw at the Etihad, they don't. What what we saw when they came towards was a very odd scenario, something we are not used to seeing, which is attack versus defence, essentially as a training ground exercise. We're very used to seeing that, but the team defending weren't defending they, they didn't conform to rigid banks of four um yes. it could have been seven or eight frankly if they were lucky it was only three it could be a similar situation at anfield of course it could but um i've, I've just got i'm, I'm staying with it Burnley okay. gonna pull something off at anfield i'm gonna whatsapp you when liverpool get their fourth goal yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. your I phone know. will be beeping yeah fair enough West Ham, I don't have any faith in right now. No, not at all. Through... David Moyes is a manager. Is a manager. Yeah. He's a bo- he's a bottle job, and he's just a just a subservient who just looks up at the big clubs and goes, "Oh, you're better than us." I hate him. <laughs> no, pathetic, they're up and down, pathetic. but I think they're going through their bottle job phase at the moment. David so. Moyes is a pathetic man and a pathetic manager. There. Wow. Blimey, I don't know where oh, that's come from. His, his record against the top pick. Shut up your wife once or something. It's, it's <laughs> pathetic, Howard. His record against the top six is, is it's gone far past the point of embarrassing now. It's pathetic. It really is. Okay. Blimey. Uh, right, just score predictions for these games. Uh, there's one I want game just have a couple of minutes on. Uh, you can make quick comments if you want, but, you know, uh, we've still got loads to get through. Fuller versus Bournemouth, George. Score? Um, going to be a very exciting one all. I think that yeah. match. Uh, two Sounds good teams, good. but going to be a draw, score draw. Stay. Yeah, I, I, I actually back in a draw. Um, the Cherries have drawn the last two. Fulham have drawn the last two. Uh, three of the last five meetings between the sides have been on as even. So uh, a draw for me. Yeah, one all for me as well. Uh, Luton, Sheffield United, stay. Um, all the evidence points to a Luton win, which just shows yeah. how well they've done. Um, goals, goals, goals in this one, because the last kind of five games for both teams have produced an absolute plethora of goals. So um, it's not going to be a nil-nil. It can't be a nil-nil. Um, so, yeah, I don't know which way, but it's going to be goals in this. A 3-2 two, two, either way. 3-1 Luton for me, George. Yeah, 2-1 Luton. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, Ross Barkley and Adebayo and all them boys are going to continue their uh, push to stay up, really. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised this one's not on the telly. Spurs versus Brighton, George. Oof, yeah. I think this will be hopefully a good one to watch on Match of the Day um, Saturday night. I think the way that both these teams play is very open, so you'd be hoping it's going to be goals. So... Uh, my gut says to go for a, a big big score. I'm going to go uh, 4-2 uh, to Spurs. Yeah, I just don't know why it's 3 o'clock, but hey, that's always the way, isn't it? Uh, oh dear. Yeah, I think it's a home win, this 3-1. Stay yourself. Does he be getting away with it at the moment? 
No, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, they are capable of absolutely anything right now, Seagulls. I mean, they win 4-1, lose 4-0. Nil-nils are in there as well. You just do not know what to expect from them. Um, perhaps if this continues at this rate, this unpredictability, then he'll be deserving of some criticism. I just feel it's a bit early for that. And they've had injuries, let's not forget. So um, anything could happen in this game, absolutely anything. One, the one certainty is that Tottenham will score because they always do, and they've scored two plus goals in the last eight games. I think uh, Richarlison has scored more goals than anyone else since early December, um, and they score early as well. Uh, no mm. team in the Premier League has scored more goals in the first fifteen minutes of games than Tottenham. So they concede um, late though as well, don't they? They do. They do have a habit of conceding late. So yeah, maybe Tottenham first half, Brighton second half, ending in a two-two. Anything could happen in this one. Desmond, right? Uh, yeah, three. I'll stick with three one. Wolves, Brentford, Steve. Well, like I said earlier, Brentford are flatline, and Wolves are in the form of their lives. Um, they're having a great spell. Wolves, one of the form teams in the division. So I'm backing a Wolves win. Um, I'll go for if if you're having a bet this this, this weekend, Christian Norgard get booked because he always always gets booked. <laughs> um, and but yeah, straightforward two one maybe for Wolves because Brentford yeah, do tend for to that score. as well. Judge, uh, yeah, uh, three wolves wins. I'm going to go. <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to go two nil wolves. Um, think Kuna and Neto will continue their good form and get those boys the win. Forest Newcastle, George. This is this is yeah. a this is a tricksy one actually. Um, I don't think it's going to be straightforward for Newcastle. I think. I think Nuno is doing a fairly good job at Forest, um, considering you know he had a lot of pressure on him, especially from the fan base, because of how much they loved their Steve Cooper. So I'm going to go for this to be a two-all draw myself. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be easy for Newcastle. I think it may have been different if it was at St James's Park, but um, yeah, two-all in this one. One all for me. Yeah, it's hard to hard to judge these sides or what you're going to get for them right now, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, and Newcastle's missing Anthony Gordon and, and Isaac. And I don't know yet about Gibbs White at Forest, but he limped. He basically got injured midweek against Bristol City, but had to stay on the pitch because they'd used up all their subs. So if he's a doubt, if he's not playing, that's that's a lot of creative talent for both teams missing. Um, I'm going for a low scorer, even though... Both teams have been you know, involved in a lot of high-scoring games lately. Um, so I'll go, I'm going to go 1-0 Forest. Just quite a boring game. An uncharacteristically, <laughs> yeah. surprisingly boring game, I think. And on Monday night, Palace versus Chelsea, Steve. I don't know where that Chelsea Cup performance came from. but mm, Again, really hard to predict on Chelsea right now. If they turn up, they should have a better of Palace. Palace are Elise out for ages, of course. Yeah. yeah, the fans have turned on Hodgson finally. Yeah. It's, it's a woeful state of affairs at Palace. So, Chelsea 2-0? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe even... Th- I've got to go three, actually, a late third one as well. Mm. George? Yeah, a full house there. I think this could be the the nail in the yeah. in the coffin of uh, Hodgson's uh, Palace tenure um, and I think if Chelsea play like they did against Villa I know Villa were a bit lacklustre but I think if Chelsea play like they did I think they should get the win with Palace missing a few of the danger men so 2-0 Chelsea as well and the game that stands out Sunday afternoon is Villa against United stay surely a game worth watching now yeah that Cup game has thrown my uh, confidence yeah. in Villa yeah, yeah. big time yeah. about this one. Uh, I see a memory. I only saw the second half because I was uh, you know, in a meeting, but I was like, 
looks like he got his tactics horribly wrong there, Maria. I don't know. You expect them to bounce back, but this should be a cracking game either way, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously it didn't go the way we wanted to, but the, the previous game, if you if you were neutral, a 3-2, with a late, mm. you know, three-goal comeback by United, you, you'd have to put that down as a thriller. Um, and it could well be the same again. Um, United had started to do me head in a bit how the media are trying to, you know, make out that they've got these three youngsters who are all, you know, the future of Manchester United. So essentially, I just want the three of them to have horrendous 90 minutes. Um, I'm, I'm going Villa. I'm, I'm a back Villa. Um, both teams to score. 3-1 Villa. Okay, 2-1 for me. And George? It's a difficult one. Um, I think this on the yeah, on paper it should be very entertaining, but I think um, United will be very kind of conservative with the play, and I think Villa may also be a little scared of losing back to back games. So I I think this could be a draw and uh, one all. I think it will be okay. Right, that's all. It's pretty much the end of part one. Uh, it's got tons in now. One last question, and you're on a 30-second timer here. You got that? I'll start with Steve then, George. Very quickly, as I will do a standalone pod with Chris next week, uh, but your thoughts on this Sinbin news and blue cards, which from uh, looking at social media has gone down like a lead balloon filled with vomit, if such a thing is possible. So, Steve and George, you get 30 seconds each to give your thoughts on these trials for... uh, sin bins and blue cards and that sort of thing steve you can go first i i hate it i love it stop playing around with, with a game <laughs> that i love stop just stop interfering stop adding things stop changing things stop just messing around with football just let football be football um i i don't see any particular need for it and i as i've said on previous pods i absolutely hate the idea of sin bins it just feels like a novelty and yeah, I can't state enough how much I dislike this. Okay, Steve sitting on the fence there. George, <laughs> could you be a bit more uh, decisive, please, with your answer? Yeah, it's um, it's going to add to the confusion. It's going to add to the discourse. Um, I think they need to clearly set out the parameters of what it means. I know they've said it, it's for um, it's for cynical fouls and um, what else was it for? Cynical fouls. Descent. And for descent, yeah. And uh, there's going to be a whole debate of, well, what what's a blue card and a yellow card in terms of a foul? So yeah. I think we need to make the parameters very clear. If they kept it for descent, that would be fine. But I think the cynical fouls is just a problem. And I think there's going to be a lot of discourse about that if it, if it comes to fruition. Okay. As I say, more to come on that. That is the end of part one. Uh, right, yesterday I chatted to Everton fan Andy Smith, friend of uh, the show, uh, about all things Everton. Uh, this is what he had to say about an eventful season on and off the pitch. I'm delighted to be joined by Everton fan and regular guest on the 9320 podcast. It's Andy Smith. Good afternoon, Andy. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks, Howard. How are you, buddy? Yeah, not bad, not bad. The weekend is getting closer. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, looking forward to that. And the first comedy yeah, kick of the night tonight as well. So, uh, not oh, very nice. Yeah, Mr. Ed Byrne. So, I've heard good things. So, looking forward to it. Mate, uh, ironically, I went to see him last Friday. Really? Uh, yeah, I went to see him at Chorley Little Theatre. Um, yeah, really good. It's quite emotional, though. <laughs> um, yeah. Which you'll, you'll, uh, you'll find out um, when you watch it. But no, honestly, I'd, I'd, I'd give him 9.5 out of 10. Wow. Well, I know about, yeah. <laughs> the topics he's discussing so uh 
what about the selves talk to me friend before i'm going with that what was the support like as well because I'm, I'm i'm never a big fan of support acts so no she was really good she's um Brilliant. a lady from canada who comes over so ed comes on he does about 15 minutes first of all and then the support comes on for about 20 25 then an interval and then he does his, his full show uh but no i thought she, she was really good she was really funny oh brilliant uh yeah go to stockport plaza so <laughs> it should be an old cinema so i thought if any i'm looking forward to it brilliant uh right we could talk about comedy for 20 minutes. I'd be happy to. <laughs> We're talking about Everton, aren't we? It's not far off. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue, yeah. Well, no, I've got a Bill Bailey gig coming up as well. I'm really excited about But, yeah, we, we must talk about... That was not a dig at your football club, I can assure you. Uh, yeah, let's talk Everton. Uh, fair to say there's never a dull moment being an Everton fan. Since all the knees broke over deductions and potential further deductions... Have you had the opportunity to step back at all at any point and make sense of it all? Do you still feel very hard done by as a fan? Yeah, I think um, I just think 10 points is just massively disproportionate to essentially what the charge breaks down to. Um, I know there's obviously, I think a lot of football fans, you know, even outside of Everton think the same way. I know there's some mm. that go, you, you broke the rules and you pay you pay the price for that but to get the, the the biggest points deduction in premier league history um yeah it just um it it doesn't sit right especially when you consider that yes we did spend some money and we spent it very badly but we're talking 5 6 years ago now like our net spend over the last 5 years 27 million um mm. i think there's only Luton in the premier league now who have less and obviously they're a team that have done fantastically come through the leagues on a a really low budget so so yeah, it, it, it does feel massively disproportionate, and just hopeful we get some back when this appeal gets uh, gets heard, and well, it's been heard when the results come out from it. I assume you're aware of Stefan of this parish, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they're yeah. very coldly and clinically as a, a lawyer, obviously, and knows his legal stuff. Do you have any sympathy for his side of like, well, you've broken the rules, yeah, yeah, yeah tough look basically or you don't stand much chance or do you, does that do you just not associate with that viewpoint at all no again i just think it's about getting the balance right i mean we see all the time like you see some really heinous crimes committed in the real world where mm. people get like you know suspended sentences and then you know somebody who's been streaming the football gets six months and you think well yeah <laughs> he's years. done something wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's uh the punishment doesn't really fit the crime so uh and in fact, and like and Everton kind of went cap in hand to the Premier League and said, like, look, we know we're close. And the Premier League were kind of essentially signing off our buying and selling for like 18 months prior to the charges. Mm. So we, we realized, you know, I'm, I'm not defending the board at all. I mean, we've had big protests against the board, the majority of which have left. And obviously, Bashir is still there, but he's selling up. So, I mean, from a fan's point of view, obviously, we called this out long before the Premier League did. Um, so yeah, it just feels like, you know, we heard a lot of things when the super about the super league being formed about, you can't punish the fans. Um, it's not their fault, but now it seems okay to punish the fans. So yeah, it mm. just, it's just the inconsistencies of it all. Um, but ultimately there's not much we could do. We've, we, we've done our protest. We've now put our appeal in and we just need to see what comes back from that. Always the fans that get it into it in the next. So <laughs> it was ever thus, to be honest, uh, you're, yeah. you're not running the club, are you? Uh, just through all this, do, I know, obviously, uh, elements of your board and owners beforehand, uh, uh, 
of course sadly Bill Kenwright's passed on now so I'm not asking you to pile in but yeah there's been protests with the board and how the clubs won before all this came out do, do fans at all hold the club responsible for for getting this for getting into this position even if it is unfair you put oh. in a way I feel this in a way possibly I still don't know what I don't know the full details of the charges against City, but I still have this nagging, like, well, we still sail, we shouldn't have put ourselves in a position as a club to even be in this, you know, where we have to defend ourselves. Do you feel that way at all about the owners of your club, that they've they've literally gone too far and, in a way, they must take some responsibility for this? Yeah, 100%. There's been incredible mismanagement, essentially, ever since Machi was coming to the club. Um from obviously when he took over, his his, his dream was to go and get uh, Emery and Munchy from Sevilla at the time. Mm. That was pretty close to happening. It didn't. They chose to stay. Um, I think Emery chose to stay at Sevilla. Munchy went to Roma, um, and then he didn't have a, a particularly good plan B after that. Went with Kuman and Steve Walsh, and that didn't work. And then he brought in Marcel Brands, but he never let Marcel Brands have full control. He still kept on making signings that he wanted to make or he thought his manager wanted as opposed to letting the di- you know putting a director of football in in charge and it was always just like it was a mix of two or three people's idea rather than one idea um and that never that's never going to work so mm. yeah th- um Everton, you know, the majority of Everton fans, they accept we've done wrong and accept there should be some punishment and accept the board have been uh, absolutely dreadful. But again, it's about the it's about the punishment fitting the crime. I think, I think it's just yeah. I, I I was expecting us to probably get like six points, but three suspended. So three yeah. for now, and then three if we don't, you know, suspended for two years. If we make sure we behave in that period, then we'd be let off of it but if we don't then that automatically gets added on um and that still very may well be the outcome when it when we hear the appeal but um we just need to wait and see hopefully we should find out by the end of next week which is uh really? which could bring some positive news all right uh, well you obviously read a lot more into this and uh you know talk to everton fans what's is there a feeling about whether the appeal will be at least partially successful or is there just no way of knowing how it's going to go the, the kind of the only rumor that I've kind of heard is that there was a rumor that we were getting three points back, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I don't know how how strong or reliable that information is. So yeah, we'll just um, you know what it's like in the world of social media. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> one person can say it, and two hours yeah. later, it's it's being treated as if it's ironclad. So. Yeah, we just have to play it by you and keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, it's weird it's dragged you into a relegation race. Every three points you get back is like a huge <laughs> one game, a huge win, isn't it? Like uh, on the pitch, basically, because it'll drag you yeah. the table. So, yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, if you know, so for example, you get three points back on the Friday, and then we, you know, and then we play Crystal Palace <laughs> on the Saturday, you get three yeah. points. You know, six points, it's like getting back-to-back wins and, you know, you can be four points clear all of a sudden and you're like, oh, okay. Um, uh, I assume you know about the Premier League meeting this week that potentially changed the rules again. <laughs> yeah. Um, How's that gone down? I mean, come on. I don't, I know City aren't the good guys ever in, you know, in the last 10 years with our wealth and stuff, but 
even we've <laughs> even we've known how this has been working for 15 years how the old money just changed things yeah which is the point of ffp let's be honest and the point of this because no clubs are it's not about sustainability no club premier league clubs are in danger of going out of business are they it's about keeping the rich richer and yeah. now that some of the big clubs have been drawn into the uh, you know some some now the numbers don't add up and they can't spend what they want. Suddenly the rules are changed again. That's how I see it anyway. Yeah, the tr- it was obviously sold as a way to protect the little guys, but it wasn't. It was obviously yeah, being fenced the the money for the yeah. big guys, and you know, and they they they. I think the biggest driver for doing it was to stop Man City getting in there, but they mm. they came up with the rules too late, and Man City became too good too quick that. They couldn't, uh, but now obviously, when you look at obviously the money that's coming to Newcastle and money that's coming into other teams, they they desperately want to 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 stop people breaking into that elite. Uh, I mean, it's basically to protect Manchester United and Liverpool purely and yeah. simply because they're their most marketable assets abroad, uh, and that's where the Premier League get the majority of their income from. So it's. Yeah, it's just f- for me growing up. I said this on a podcast with you guys a couple of weeks ago. Football was about the haves and the haves nots, and it never bothered me. It was just a case of, you know, you find your way to compete. And if you're lucky enough and someone comes in and decides that they want to give you a load of money to spend, then yeah. great, go with it. <laughs> We're slaves to fortune, aren't we, basically? So. Uh, and City obviously won the lottery in 2008 uh, yeah I'm not a huge fan of unfettered investment I just don't like I'm just not f- falling for the lies of why all this was set up and it's clearly obvious why it's all set up and it's to preserve the status quo but hey yeah, I'm sure we will chat again after uh, some of the appeals <laughs> go through Yeah, uh, on the pitch I'm not sure looking at rules if this is right or not so you can give me your opinion uh, I, I, I've written in the notes all gone a bit downhill in on the pitch recently then I've put maybe because I started doubting myself <laughs> and then I've put what has changed question mark everything every w- half sentence contradicts the one after uh, and then I've put uh, has defiance of the charges worn off injuries regression to mean or are the results actually holding up okay for you how are you seeing things on the pitch I think I think the, the disappointing thing from in terms of results on the pitch is kind of how meekly we've gone out of both cup competitions mm. we had a quarter final against Fulham at home we ended up going out on penalties, but we and in Luton in the FA Cup, we went out with the last kick of the game. But the performances, they, they were quite poor. And for a team like Everton that's desperate to get some kind of silverware, you know, those are good opportunities. No disrespect to Fulham and Luton, but draws at home against those two oppositions, they're, they're, they're relatively favourable. And we really didn't grab either of those opportunities. Performance-wise... Um, We've not been too bad that we went to Tottenham six weeks ago. I know we played them last week, but we went to their place and we lost 2-1, but we were, it's probably our best performance of the season. Like hmm. we just, everything kind of went against us VAR wise, um, unsurprisingly. Um, and we weren't clinical enough as, as well at times, but in terms of our performance, it was great. Um, we've picked up a f- uh, like some good points um, as well. So the performances haven't massively dropped off, but we are really, really stretched at the moment in terms of, uh, in terms of injuries. So we don't have a big squad. We're asking a lot of the players uh, to kind of go out and go again. Um, And, 
Yeah, I mean, we're just not, you know, our two strikers, Calvert Lewin and Better, have got four goals between them. So mm. you need we we need more, certainly for the chances that we're creating, because uh, we are creating chances, we're just not taking them. So who's out at the moment? So is there anyone coming back, or they're still going to be? Is this weekend yeah. too soon? So I think uh, obviously Dan Jr. has not played those. I think he's still out. Uh, Amadou Anan has been missing for the last three, but he was back mm. in full training today. So there's a chance he can be he could be fit. Um, we had Seamus Coleman and Essie Young out, but they're both coming back in. Essie Young's been back in for the last couple of games. Um, midfield wise, we had uh, Adrissa Garnagay was away at the Afcon, but he came back last week and was man of the match against Tottenham and James Garner also had, had a stomach bug uh, and Dry McNeil had an injury in, uh, as well which kept him out for a game and he's not quite got back up to speed yet after that knock but um, yeah just when your squad's um, when your squad's as, as thin as ours two or three injuries and it, all of a sudden it looks it, it can look threadbare So did you mention Ducore then? Oh no, sorry. Yeah, Decore. No, he's the. He's not going to be back for at least another no. three or four weeks. And how important has he been when he was? Yeah, he, I mean, huge. He, yeah, him. I, I mean, at the end of last season when Dice came in, uh, Decore and McNeil as well. Their form was a big difference in us staying up. And Decore hit the ground running again this season. Um, it can look a bit cumbersome at times. Um, not always the most pleasing on the eye, but. I mean, yeah, the guy can, he'll just run and run all day for you. He'll keep mm. making those runs back. He'll track back. Um, and yeah, he's not afraid when he, when he gets a chance to shoot, he, he shoots. Um, and for a team that doesn't score many goals, you know, uh, someone who since Dice has come in has been averaging a goal every two and a half games. Um, mm. yeah, it's a big miss. Uh, Calvert Lewin always thought him to be really decent if only he could stay fit for more than two days at a time. Well, he has for a while, and he's he's not scored. Uh, what's the situation with him? Have I overhyped him, or has I it surprised a, you that he's just having such a dry run? It it has surprised me because I think I think it's a it, as we know with strikers, it's a confidence thing. Um, mm. But he scored. I think the last goal he scored was against West Ham, which was a, like in October, and it was a wonderfully taken goal. Like it was a. You know, he did a one-two on the edge mm. of the box, little cross turn, got half a yard, drilled it into the bottom corner from the edge of the box. And and then he had two or three games where he didn't score, but he was magnificent. Like, he won everything in the air, his hold-up play, link-up play. And then, I think, not scoring, and then he missed a couple of, like, chances you should really be taking, and you could just see the belief in himself has dropped. Um, and you've just got to hope that, you know, it's the old saying in football, one goes in off his backside and uh, and then the confidence comes back and he starts scoring again. Yeah. I assume it was a quiet January in the transfer window as well for Everton as well, <laughs> which isn't what yeah. you needed. But I assume during the month as well, considering everything going on, you weren't expecting much business to be done. No, I think the best case scenario is that we might have picked up a loan, but uh, mm. I, think they, I think they tried, but yeah, um, the I, I don't think Kevin Savile and Sean Dyche would get someone in just for the sake of it. I think they yeah. they'll go with what they've got rather than bring someone in that they don't feel is going to add. So, but yeah, we, it would have been nice to have brought some people in, but it wasn't a shot that we didn't. Mm. Anyway, the match then. You a fan of twelve thirty Saturday kickoffs? 
if we ever win one of them, I would be, I think. Yeah, but um, <laughs> it's more time them. to enjoy yourself afterwards. But no, they're not for me, to be fair. Like, yeah, I I just, yeah. I mean, like a lot of us, I'm a traditionalist. Give me three o'clock Saturday. Yeah. Like, I don't even mind a half five, to be fair, on a Saturday. But um, yeah, 12.30, especially when <laughs> Everton don't win many of them. It just makes that weekend seem wow. that little bit more depressing for that little bit longer. That's the bonus, isn't it? If you win a 12.30 kickoff, you've got the rest of the weekend to put your feet up and just enjoy the rest of the football. But taking away from the result, it just doesn't, it's just not a great time to, to play a football match for me. But hey, well, we don't get to choose these things anymore, do we? So any optimism in getting a result? You've, your football team ruined my New Year's Eve the other year. So do you think you could repeat that? <laughs> Uh, I'd love to think so, mate, but uh, no, not especially. Not. Um, I was working on Monday, but I'd, I'd scheduled my uh, my half hour break so I could watch the first half hour of City Brentford just before hmm. um, you guys actually started scoring. But you created so many chances. Their keeper was worldy after worldy. Haaland will be that bit sharper for another game. De Bruyne is going to be that bit sharper for another game. Um, so no, um, I have, I, I think it's one of those, if you'd have said, you don't have to play the game, just give us a 2-0 win, would you do that? And let the players rest. I'd probably go, yeah, I'll take that, mate. But um, I've, I've had an opposition fan on this season that said exactly the same thing, but 3-0. That, <laughs> that was a Crystal Palace fan and we drew. It was, well, it was Kevin Day. In fact, if you know him, uh, yeah, the yeah. football and match of that, he said, I'll take a 3 0 now. And of course, they went on to draw. So, hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you never know. I, I mean, like last year as well, like, I remember going to Man City, not expecting anything. And yeah. as it turned out, we, we, we were relatively good defensively, and Damari Gray scored, uh, scored a bit of a worldie, didn't he? So, mm. what you like is your. Away form holding up, okay. You're not just a home team, are you? So no. the fact that your away doesn't make it, you know, your chances so much weaker. Quite the opposite. Our best form's been away from Goodison this season. Um, I think we've got more points away from home than we have at home. So why is that? Do you think? Um, I don't. I, I think there's obviously an expectation for us to come out and and win games, but at Goodison, which maybe they feel feel mm. a bit of pressure from, but. It's it purely and simply down to the fact we just haven't been clinical enough. Um, like, I'm not a big fan of times G stats, and the only thing that really matters is what the final score is. But, you know, we've got like the biggest difference in times G, I think, across all top five leagues in Europe this season in terms of what we've created to what we've actually scored. So the chances are there. But if you don't take them, particularly in the, the Premier League, you get punished. So, um, yeah, it's. Um, I think you know we will be well organised against City, but City is just such a fantastic team. You you kind of you kind of feel it's a it's an uphill struggle to get anything from the game. So how will Dash set up? That if you got the team, if you think you'll pick, and will it be a dreaded low block? Some people hate that for phase big time, but he will be defending deep, obviously, won't you? And looking to counter perhaps. Yeah, I, I think it will be. I think you'll have uh, your four at the back will um, be uh, Ben Godfrey has come in at right about the last couple of games and done really well. Um, and he's more of a defensive option than the other options at right back. So mm. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Ben Godfrey play at the back alongside um, Tarkovsky, Branthwaite, Mikolenko. Um, and those three have been very, very good this season. Uh, you'll have Garner Gay just in front of them. Uh, James Garner, 
Uh, I would expect Anana to come straight back in. And then front three, I think he might rest McNeil this week. McNeil did look really tired last week, so you well, might have... could just put in a fellow Everton fan, I can't remember who it was or which players he was talking about, did mention online, uh, you know, someone I follow on Twitter, that players, a couple of players looked tired last game. So, yeah, do you think Dice will shuffle a pack or think it'll only be one or two, basically? Yeah, I think the only one would be Anana will come either for Ashley Young or Dwight right. McNeil. I would think. Yeah, uh, but I think it'll be McNeil just because he, he he did get a, a a pretty serious injury at Crystal Palace in the FA Cup, and he came, he's came back really quick. But he does look fatigued, so it wouldn't surprise me to see if he uh, if he missed out at the weekend. But um, yeah, we'll just have to to wait and see. But you certainly won't see a lot of changes. One, Dice doesn't believe in a lot of changes, and two. We don't have a lot of players to change to, so it's uh, pretty happy with how he's done though this season. Dash, yeah, I'm really pleased. I've got no complaints. Um, yeah, uh, particularly you know, hands tied behind his back. He's got us competitive. You know, you had ten points to where we are now, and we're comfortably mid-table. So, obviously, when he came in last season, you know, we did stay. It ended up having to stay up on the last day of the season to to where we could be now without the 10-point deduction, um, you can certainly see that he has improved us. And do you think, has the off-field stuff actually fired up the team at all, do you think? Or has I it think had it, no difference? I think it did at first, but I think I think after a while, I think because obviously there's then other, we get charged again for something yeah. else that's going to be coming so out late. Well, that's it. Yeah, the reason I ask, you don't know now, or players don't know if winning a game actually... You know, if those points will stay there, they don't know where they are in the table. And I, I think, uh, you know, City were fired up big time once the charges came out last season and went on to win the treble. But eventually it must drag you down when you keep new news keeps coming out like that. That it's probably impossible for the players to ignore, is it not? Yeah. I mean, it gets to the stage where, like, you can kind of galvanize yourself and be backs against the wall altogether. But then hmm. it gets to the point where you think, Actually, fucking no matter how well we do it, they're just going <laughs> to kick us in the bollocks again. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So it's um, yeah. I try and I try and not think about it too much because yeah. one for my blood pressure and two, um, I, I try and have a bit of a mantra: don't stress about the things you can't control. So <laughs> yeah, um, which is a very good mantra to have when you support Everton. Put it that way. It's a good mantra for life as a whole, I would say. Well, I always end on a score prediction, so go with your head or your heart or both. Um, I'm going to go with uh, my my drunken heart. I'll go for 1-1. <laughs> okay. Well, it's happened before. I'm going to, yeah, I think we might concede again. We don't keep many clean sheets, but I'm going to be optimistic and go for 3-1. So uh, that Brentford game was weird. <laughs> it was very weird and we're under pressure at times, but they got the job done. So I will go for another 3-1. There's been quite a lot of them about. Uh, just very finally, I know time has pretty much defeated us. Uh, how is the stadium going, new stadium? Is it on yeah. track? I know you won't be there next season though will you no i mean i, I don't think we were never going to really be there for next season because mm. the the original the scheduled finish date was always going to be october oh, of right. this year and i think we're about three weeks behind it's going to be yeah. middle of november which for us a project of that size a few weeks is, is nothing really and then um so i think there was always there was always discussions whether they're going to move mid-season um but i don't I don't ever think that's the right thing to do. So they fully committed to that. And then, of course, when you open a new stadium, you have to have test events, don't you? At, I think, yeah. is it 50%, then 60, then 75? Yeah. So they'll get a few concerts in there and 
um, you know, it might be nice for obviously with the with the women's game really progressing, it might be a nice thing if the Everton ladies get to open the stadium as well. So yeah, um, that would be uh, yeah. So it's not a, a big surprise, but no, it's coming on. It looks great. Um, let's just hope we're still playing Premier League football when we get into it. <laughs> Indeed. Right, time has truly defeated us. Could have talked about lots of other stuff as well and gone on for a long time. But hey, I'm sure you'll be back uh, back on the Night 320 podcast soon, chatting yeah, about Premier League. So Andy, thank you very much for taking the time out to talk to us. I really appreciate it. And as um, always, after this after this weekend, all the best for the rest of the season. So. <laughs> yeah, you too, mate. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much again. And now we go back to the panel to preview uh, Saturday lunchtime game. Okay. Thank you very much, Andy. Uh, bullish, I would say. Uh, hmm, we had a good chat about that. the Ed Byrne comedy gig that we've both been to in the last week as well. Uh, Stay, yeah, I'll start with you. It is a chance to go top for three hours or so. How confident are you going into this game? Um, I'm surprisingly confident. Um, Everton always, because it's Everton, normally I, I feel a bit jittery mm. when, when we come up against these lot, but um, they've only scored five goals away from home all season. Really? Um, yeah. Um, Are you only... sure? I thought their away form was better than their home form. No, no. Um, they've scored uh, five goals from their last 100 shots, so they're, they're hardly clinical. Um, they get a lot of joy from set pieces. That's a concern. Half of their mm. goals this season have been scored from corners and free kicks. Um but yeah, Everton just don't. The, the, the way they responded to the Premier League charges was really impressive. Uh, I thought fair to you for that. You're really, you, you know, you're getting those points back quickly. And then all of a sudden, this just turned to shit for him and they're really struggling to score. Um, but you can never shake off that thing of, oh, wouldn't it be just typical if they turned it all around against us? So, but they would need to turn it around, I think. I don't think they're in the best of shape right now. Uh, they're, they're eminently beatable. Our record against them is really good. Um, yeah. Steve, they've scored confident. 13 goals away from home. So. Well, I need to edit something I sent off yesterday to be published, <laughs> don't I? Fuck. <laughs> Oh, 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 thank God. Oh, my heart was beating then. They've scored, I was talking about the... Uh, right, in, in the article, I was talking about the first half of games. They scored oh, five, my God. Uh, oh, God. Oh, don't <laughs> do that to me, man. Right, yeah. So they scored five first half goals. <laughs> oh, we've Ooh. all been there. So, oh, my God. What have I done? What have I done? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. particularly because that was something which I had a bit of a deadline. It was like just racing towards it a bit. So You know, when I put podcasts out and I've forgotten to snip off the beginning and end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Oof. Anyway, so they've scored five first half goals away from home all season, which doesn't sound anything like as kind of scary, but mm. um, yeah, there you go. Um, but they're yeah. only averaging about one a game, you know, away from home, but their form, yeah, their form is better away from home, but a lot of that is from earlier in the season, I think, so. Yes, before the charges as well, which has changed the whole mentality of the club as well. Yeah. Um, you know, initially for the better, but now for the worse. Yeah. Uh, what about you, George? Yeah. <laughs> they ruined my New Year's Eve the other year. I was just uh, only too happy to tell Andy about. And of course, we've won there already this season. But do you think there can be party poopers again? Uh, it's a Sean Dyche team, and you just know it could be dire stuff, basically. Who could make it very problematic for City? They do have the potential uh, to be party poopers. Um, you know, as Steve was saying, though, they're not, they're not in a, a great uh, run of form. And. Um, and they're a bit impotent in front of goal at the moment. But I think 
they can really frustrate sides still. And I think if they come to the Etihad and they go right, um, let's let's just go for the draw here. You know, there's, if there's, if, I don't know what the chat is like about their points deduction. If if internally they're feeling positive about getting it rescinded, because you know, if they do get it rescinded, then this game isn't as important as it would be if they don't. So mm. maybe I don't know how that's affecting their mindset at the moment as they approach certain of these kind of hard games away from home. So maybe they will be happy with a draw. Um, and defensively, you know, they can be really good. I think Jared Branthwaite is a real, real top talent they've got yeah. there at centre-back. And I think, you know, there's all this chatter that he's still um, in contact with um, Ancelotti's son um, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and Real Madrid are, tra- uh, are tracking him. So shows how kind of highly he's rated by uh, other clubs as well. So I think they've got him and Tarkovsky, a great partnership. I think Pickford... He's much maligned by certain people in this country, but I do think he's a great keeper. I know his antics leave a, a lot to be desired sometimes and he, he can wind people up, but I do think he's a, he's a good keeper. Um, Mikalenko's having probably his best period of play as well. Um, it's just a shame they've got a 55-year-old Ashley Young playing right back most of the time. To uh, Otherwise, that'd be quite a good defence. Um, but I think they'll just come and try and frustrate and try and hit us on the counter-attack and ho- they'll probably hope that the likes of McNeil um, and Harrison uh, have got their shooting boots because at the moment their strikers um, uh, yeah. seem to be having a competition of um, you know who can yeah. go the longest without scoring between uh, Calvert-Lewin and Neto. So I think that's the way they'll go, try and hit us on the break with those two wingers and be very, very frustrating. So... Uh, as we've been going on about uh, earlier about how the atmosphere is never that great when City are playing keep ball um, in the opponent's half. I think this may be one of those games, unfortunately. The kickoff time's not going to help, is it? Uh, no, not yeah, at all. Yeah. And it's a good point you say there about Tarkowski and Bramford as well, because they are, their interceptions and their blocks, their stats are off a scale this season. So it does make you think... Are we going to start with Doku? Are we going to be firing in those long balls, uh, those low balls? Because they're just going to be bread and butter to those two. Well, I'm glad you asked, Steve. Let's tr- uh, naming the starting eleven is difficult enough at the best of times. I mean, you've got a pretty much a full squad. Well, we're recording this before the press conference. Uh, it becomes even harder, does it not? So, Copenhagen on Tuesday as well. Do you think that's going to affect Pep's choices? Um, it will definitely factor it in. Yeah, it's not. Um... It's not a case of playing any you know, a weekend eleven this this weekend, but no. certainly it'll be a case of you know okay, I'll start him there and and start him there um, in that one. Can so, I just say, by the way, no, I listened to Noisy Neighbours and they, uh, I think it was more for apologies if not suggested made the suggestion that really rang me that you could see Jack Grealish starting on Tuesday and not this one, and that's one of oh, those. Really, things. it just sounds it's right. All right, it just sounded right when he said it. I said, yeah, he'd play away to Copenhagen, but maybe, all right, you think the opposite. He'll play this one and not on Tuesday. For the reasons I said earlier as well, about the fact that, you know, crosses, low crosses into the box, which is, yeah. you know, Doku's speciality, it's just going to be bread and butter to Everton. Um, it's going to have to be, a, a, we're going to have to be a bit more clever, a bit more around the, the edge of the box, look for these little through balls. Um, so I think that's more Greenish's kind of, you know, strengths yeah. rather than Doku. Yeah. Hey. George, we could be see a repeat of Brentford of us, a right rarity, taking pot shots from all over the place. Poss- possibly, I think um, the long ranges will come in um, as a tactic. 
And if that is the case, then maybe we can see Alvarez starting again because he does have that in his locker. I know some people may not be happy happy with that. Um as he's he's now uh, named what was it the Argentinian Neil Mope by um by Asan. Uh, that, that, that gave that, me a, I think. Yeah. that gave me a good chuckle though when I was listening to that the other week. It's uh I I I understand the frustration towards Alvarez at the moment. The um the role I don't think is it's not his fault though, that's all I'll say. It's um but I think we if if we are gonna go with long ranges we could see Alvarez playing, but if not I think I think we may see um we may see a, a docu come in for this one, I think, just in terms of he can is dribbling and beating men and whilst they're in a kind of a low block, I think he may be a difference maker. That so in terms of his starting eleven at I think it will be felt very similar to Brentford. Maybe one or two changes, yeah. maybe a docu in for Alvarez. And like I say, I think on Tuesday we will see more changes and maybe the, the likes of Kovacic, Grealish, um, Nunes uh, coming into the side potentially. Um, and I think he will have an eye on the Champions League fixture whilst he's picking his, his team. And like, yeah, splitting, splitting the squad between the two games probably. Can you drop Alvarez did score two goals in our last home game. Go on, stay here. I was going to say, can, can you can you rest Foden right now? I mean, he's, he's undroppable, isn't he? Or feels that way. Do you need to? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I guess he'd have to be at the club to do so, to know you know, the stats and the signs of it all. You could see that happening, couldn't you? One of those, but one big player just being rested. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you who that is. Maybe Bernardo might be rested. You know, Bernardo Silva. Someone like that could come in. Kovacic could come in. Could he not? And play. Yeah, he'll probably do something like that. And there's no point me spec- guessing on who that player would be. Uh, Steve, you any concerns about Haaland and him returning in similar rusty no. forms before his injury? No, and, and I was actually going to say, I think Haaland is one of the nailed-on ones to start on Saturday mm. as well because he just needs the minute and he's benefiting from the minute. And if there is any rustiness, it's not going to take long with him, you know? So it's a case of just playing as often as you can right now and getting back into being the Haaland of old. And George, Kevin De Bruyne, does he need to rest for one of these two games? I think I think minutes definitely do need to be managed. Um, I think ideally... In this game, you'd probably like to start them both, and you'd l- be able to bring them off after an hour. I know yeah. that's very, um, you know, it's a very positive outlook to have on how the game's going to roll. <laughs> but that's 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 ideally how I think Pep would like to manage the minutes um, with somebody like Kev, because yeah, we you've got to be careful. And I think if I think maybe you could even say Kev plays tomorrow, but maybe he's rested for Tuesday. And then, like, does 60, like, plays a full game across the two, 60 against Everton and maybe 30 against Copenhagen, something like that, or maybe even vice versa, I'm not too sure. Yeah, I'd see him playing more in the Champions League, but who knows, who knows, to be honest. And the back four, again, we're guessing, aren't we, Steve? If Akanji's fit, then who knows? Walker always plays. I I think maybe, I don't know, Guardiola, again, if you're saying, if they're sitting low... You want the marauding Gavardiel on the left, uh, but it could be AKDS. And John Stones, of course, is ready to come back in. But again, do they want him playing two games no, in three days? I, it's I all Stones, impossible to call, really, is it not? Stones on Tuesday for me rather than this Saturday, I, I feel. Right. And how do you see the game going, Steve? Is it really just we have to be patient again because they're not going to want to 
really come out and engage. They'll, they'll be looking for bits and pieces, as Andy Townsend yeah. uh, calls it, and they'll be looking for set pieces. And um, yeah, their game plan will be quite clear, really, and quite straightforward. Um, it will be, you know, us having the bulk of the possession, a bulk of the chances, and it's just finishing them off. I mean, you know, remember that that spell we had where we were just pre-Harland where we just couldn't we, we create so many chances and we couldn't mm. score um, thankfully those days are gone because this would be the kind of game where you think that would really impact upon us take your chances and we've won the game yeah an early goal would be nice wouldn't it as it destroys their their plans I guess yeah George Barney Road is declared to treble one anyway so does this game <laughs> even matter no no we could play, play the EDS we've already wrapped it up um, <laughs> it's done Right, Fred yeah, Dunn's done. paid out as well. I heard, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's every, everything from here on out is just a formality, really. Um, yeah. It's yeah, book that, the Wembley hotels, exactly, exactly. Book the time off work, everything you know. It's all yeah, all, taking all the sorted. Monday off. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's just there's it's it's like whenever this we get to a period of the season where oh, City is suddenly not um, be out of form and. They've won a few games in a row. Oh, we'll have wrapped articles so that if they don't go on to win the treble, yeah. they look like a failure. And if That's, they do, it looks it looks completely boring and mundane and, and English football is ruined forever. Yeah. It's uh, George, I haven't nicked that line. That is ex- precisely word for word the line that's in my monologue later, if I ever... Yeah. <laughs> Just to carry it to say, I'd already yeah. written that very same thing. I mean, a reminder, we're not even top of the table at the moment. Exactly, exactly. The season. But how it's, do you uh, see this game going? Are you really confident that City will just break them down a resolute yeah. Everton side? I'm conf- I, I, I'm going into the game confident, but I'm not underestimating how yeah. how difficult they'll make it for us. And I think I don't see us scoring in the first half. I think it's going to be one of those games where it'll be a hopefully we'll break them down between sixty, seventy odd minutes, and then maybe get another late goal. So I'll probably go two nil City, but both goals probably coming after the hour mark. Yeah. Okay. Stay your score prediction. Um. I think there's, yeah, late goals in this. Um, for two for City, second half. So, 2 0 City. I'm going to go with the, the common scoreline of 3 1. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. it does feel that way. Yeah. I don't have the faith of clean sheets, but hopefully, hopefully, we're scoring. I hope, yeah, with, with the options we've got and the substitutions we can make in the second half, if need be, then, yeah, we've got options there to really get at them and hopefully we'll wilt. But you never know with the Everton side and a, a Dyche side either. But just feel like we've got a bit more about us than a, few, a couple of months ago. So, right, I think we've covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then some. Stay. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming. I really appreciate you taking the time out. Pleasure. A guest on the Friday show. Get me. Yeah, I know. It's been nice. I've enjoyed it. You can host the next one. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, George, thank you very much. No problem at all. Thanks for having me, guys. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, brilliant. Right. Lots more coming up, of course. Reviews and ton. Yeah, the games are coming thick and fast now. Midweek games back. There's so much content, as you will know. That's a wrap. We're all off to change the bucket underneath the Old Trafford roof. Uh, have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe. And as always, up the blues.